Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. Big tech may censor many, but they cannot silence the Christian. There are many conspiring situations as the spirit of the Antichrist gathers. This is Mark Taylor. Welcome to Crosspoint. My guest is J.B. Hickson. He's a pastor, professor, national speaker, and president of Dot by Works Ministries. Talking now with J.B. Hickson, uh, things that are happening all around us, and I believe more people are picking up on what you've wrote about here, J.B., about the spirit of the Antichrist and the gathering cloud of deception. Now, there's a volume one and a volume two to this. We're going to first start here with volume one. And uh, right in the book, uh, you kind of start here in volume one and you say, the book you are about to read is the first of a two-part series, which we're going to be talking about today, which I interpret the world-changing events of the past couple of years through the lens of Scripture and provide you with the framework for the understanding of what lies ahead. So that was kind of your motive in writing uh, these books, these two volumes, Spirit of the Antichrist? Yeah, I've been interested in Bible prophecy for many, many years, and uh, it just occurred to me that, like like it's occurred to so many others, that things really seem to be unraveling uh, rapidly. And, uh, you know, I try not to uh, fall into that sensationalist camp where we try to set dates and, you know, look at the newspaper first before we go to the Bible. I, I genuinely try to, you know, to be true to the Word of God. I, I know we all should try to do that. Uh, but uh, I said, look, if if the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work among us, as God's Word says in 1 John 4, 3, then uh, if, and if we're getting closer to the end, which we all seem to feel like we are as we watch the signs of the times, then it follows that we ought to see an uptick in some of the, the characteristics of the Antichrist. And so I just categorized uh, some of the characteristics of the future Antichrist who will rule the world for that seven-year uh, tyrannical reign, uh, and categorize them, put them down into seven categories, and then just started taking a look. And, and it was stunning to me to see how much of the stage is already being set. Now, you talk about in the introduction of Volume 1 here, and what you just were saying about, you know, the the terror, the seven-year reign, the terror is yet in the future. But you do say this, the Bible warns that the spirit of the Antichrist is now already in the world. How are we seeing that in the world right now by what you're telling us here in these two volumes? Yeah, I believe that uh, the future Antichrist, uh, you know, obviously Satan is not omniscient or omnipresent, so he doesn't know the mind of God. So he has to have his man of the hour ready uh, at, a, at a moment's notice. And so uh, I believe in every generation he has a man already marked out. Uh, we may not know who it is. We don't know who it is, uh, but he does, and he's ready. And so I think just as he's sort of grooming the Antichrist to step into that role uh, after the rapture, uh, likewise, he's setting the stage and working together with his human accomplices and his legion of demons to try to steer this world into a one-world system politically, religiously, and economically, just like uh, God's Word says he will. And you talk about that in uh, chapter 2 of the volume 1 there, and you talk about, you know, it's Satan's alter ego, and you talk about he is setting the stage. Now, is not God doing the very same thing, though? Is he not setting the stage? And and really, uh, the people here on earth pick up some of us, you know, are picking up on what's going on. 
according to my, what we know of the Word of God. But does not yeah. Satan also know the Word, and he picks up on what's going on, and he knows it's coming? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Satan certainly knows the Bible better than most Christians, but he just doesn't believe it. He still thinks that he can win in the end. He thinks that even though God's Word plainly states that he will meet his demise one day, uh, he doesn't believe that. So he's he's uh, a narcissist. He's uh, self-centered, and he really thinks that he can conquer this world. He tried to conquer uh, heaven, as you know. He tried to usurp, usurp God's throne in heaven. Um, but God uh, had other plans, obviously, and so God kicked him out of heaven. He took one-third of the angels with him, and he's been trying to take over the created realm ever since. But uh, I, I'm always quick to point out that God is the ultimate arbiter of, of the timetable. You know, when we get into some of the info from Volume 2, uh, I talk about uh, the timeline, the, the Luciferians' uh, timeline, what they've laid out in their own writings. And it's helpful to know that. In fact, I think it's important for Christians to know that. Uh, because the Bible tells us to be prepared. But the caveat is always that God is the one that's in charge. He's sovereign. Uh, if he wants uh, to delay the ushering in of the New World Order another hundred years, he certainly uh, could do that. But that doesn't uh, preclude us from always being ready, from looking for that blessed hope, and uh, being aware of what the enemy's doing all around us. Now, you point out here in Volume 1 about Satan's final weapon, and you talk about this weapon, and you say, why do you think that we're having such an attack on gender with all the gender surrender movement, and why it's the Supreme Court supporting gay marriage and gay rights? I mean, we're seeing it still. I mean, that's not enough for them. They just want to not just uh, legalize this sin. They want to enforce this sin by even inventing more laws to enforce it. But you talk about that in here. And why do you talk about these being maybe key advocates who Satan's using now to advance his agenda? Is there a connection between the Antichrist and this? Absolutely. So Satan's one target ultimately is to, to be God. He wants to be God and uh, wants to be the sovereign ruler, and that means he's trying his hardest to uh, destroy everything God has created. And uh, God created man in, in, in his own image, and he created man male and female, mankind male and female. And so uh, by targeting gender, he's really cutting straight to the heart of the image of God and man. It, you know, Mankind is God's highest pinnacle of creation, the crown jewel, if you will, uh, to no other created being did God breathe into him the breath of life and give a soul. And so, uh, you know, Satan is targeting that, and, and, and everything goes back to Genesis in the garden when Satan, uh, the great deceiver, lied to Eve and uh, deceived them. He's been targeting, you know, the image of God and man ever since. I think the gender surrender movement is one of the most demonic, if not the most demonic, attack in our modern day. Um and I have a whole chapter about that in Volume 2, where I talk about some of the other just uh, perversions. But he loves to twist what everything that God created for good and, and make it, uh, you know, for his purposes. Yeah. In here on page 36, you're, you're talking about this, and you talk about how, with, uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. Uh, you talk about loose and active demons. You know, years back, you know, there was always talk of the activ demon activity you'd hear from missionaries and deepest Africa or something. But today that has, you know, and they used to say that was kind of restrained from this area in the United States because of the power of the church. The church has lost to seem its power to do that any longer. It's not 
actively pursued that, uh, you know, defensive wall. And so you're saying in here that we've got more active demons moving around in this country now than we've ever had, and they're working in these deceptive plans, I mean, in reality? Absolutely. You're, you're right. The, uh, you know, the, the uptick in spiritual warfare is noticeable to anybody who's paying, you know, halfway attention. It's, it's, uh, it's very clear that the closer we get to the return of Christ, the cosmic battle uh, in the heavenlies is going to heat up. Uh, because when, when things are heating up on Earth, as they clearly are with all of these attacks, the cancel culture, the attacks on gender and family and abortion and all of that, when things are heating up on Earth, it just means they're heating up in, in the heavenlies with this cosmic struggle. And as I outline in, in Volume 2 especially, I really believe uh, 1947 was a key year in which we saw a major upsurge in demonic activity because uh, Israel became a nation in 1948 after World War II. Uh, Satan uh, heard. Uh, obviously, again, he's not omniscient, but he sent out his reconnaissance um, demons to kind of check out what's going on, and he saw that Israel was reestablished, and he took that to mean that we must be getting close because, again, he's read God's playbook. Uh, he doesn't believe it, but he knows that God plans to have Israel back in the land someday, right before Christ returns. And so I think that's caused him to just really, you know, start doing more and more in terms of spiritual warfare. And I agree with something you just said a moment ago. I do think that um, the Church has been, you know, the body of Christ has been a restraining influence in America for many years. Um, but, you know, to the extent that the Church is now apostate, uh, and I really believe it is, that has uh, removed some of that uh, protection. And of course, after the rapture, it'll, you know, that protection will be removed worldwide. But I do think there's a connection between the moral degradation in this country and the church's uh, failure to uh, do its job. Now, you do mention something in this uh, volume one here, and I'm glad you do. Uh, you talk about the Luciferian conspiracy, uh, you know, into the, the explain kind of this diagram of what's going on. Uh, and you mentioned the New World Order, which we've kind of always heard of the New World Order. But all of a sudden now, this New World Order comes in the form of global leaders like Klaus Schwab and this World Economic Forum. I mean, this is really now the big setup is here. The uh, I want to say the mechanics to make this happen are now here, aren't they? They really are. And uh, I, I hate to keep going back to, you know, volume one and volume two, but I'm, I'm so passionate about this subject. I really want people to uh, to be able to get the information. And by the way, they can go to spiritoftheantichrist.org and read a, a kind of a sample and see the table of contents and read the preface and just kind of get an idea of what the book is all about. But it's spiritoftheantichrist.org. But absolutely, the stage is being set. This is the end game. In their own writings, they really believe that the 2020s is kind of the target time to push it across the finish line. And uh, we're seeing that through uh, the central bank digital currencies, the uh, uh, digital IDs, uh, complete uh, control grid, uh, full spectrum planetary control and global surveillance. Uh, they are really working hard to take control. You know, that, that Luciferian conspiracy, sometimes that phrase throws people if they've never really studied it, but it comes straight out of Scripture. Uh, Psalm 2, David uh, describes the conspiracy of the kings of the earth and the rulers taking counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, that's Christ, uh, trying to break their bonds of control, trying to uh, you know, cast away their cords. And so that's something Satan's been doing from the beginning. And, and these satanically influenced leaders like Klaus Schwab and others 
are simply, uh, they have control issues. They're simply trying to make sure that uh, they are the ones controlling everything and they are beholden uh, to no one and they'll stop at nothing to accomplish that. And I know they have all kinds of ideas of, you know, resetting the world's population. Uh, you know, they've got all kinds of things going on and making a, a one world system. And so basically, all these things that we've seen happening, maybe health related, the culture, the politics, it's things that are going on there, uh, you know, these uh, COVID, all that. Uh, it almost makes it look like this is all tied together <laughs> to push this spirit of the Antichrist about what you're writing about here. Uh, as part, This is all kind of part of this gathering cloud of deception, as you call it. It really is. It's a cumulative case here. It's not just isolated things that are going on. People would be stunned to recognize that it kind of all goes back to a common theme. Now, it's not monolithic in the sense that, you know, Satan isn't just pushing a button and making things happen. It's a it's a pretty sloppy rollout of his uh, New World Order, uh, but at the same time, you know, he is ultimately pulling the strings as best he can, and as I diagram in the book, he's got, you know, his human agents at the top of the uh, tier there that are the ones that are communicating with him, uh, and actually in the same way that we pray to uh, Almighty God and read his word, you know, they they think of Lucifer as the hero and God as the antagonist, and they pray to Lucifer, and they get their marching orders from him, and then it just kind of trickles down into the second and third level uh, tiers where a, m- a lot of people, you know, who are involved in some of these evil agendas uh, might not even realize that at the top of the pyramid it's a Luciferian agenda. They're just in it for their own power or money or whatever it might be. But, yeah, it is all kind of tied together. There's no question. That's what I came away with after really doing the research for these uh, two books, which took me 15 years, by the way. Uh, I really was amazed at how small a world it really is. Uh, nothing seems to happen by accident. Well, and speaking of nothing, you even back up with some data uh, that you have your over in the vaccines and big pharma um, area there of the your chapter in the volume one, and you talk about different things, especially the military and how this has affected our military. I mean, I think we've lost maybe what fifty thousand service people out of the military that's either quit, retired, or been forced out. Uh, because of all the stuff that's going on. But you show all these different areas of things that have increased uh, due to, you know, the vaccine and other things like that that's been put in uh, place. Um, You know, again, we're right back to the conspiracy thought, but the gathering cloud of deception. See, we don't, to me, we don't even always have to bring up the conspiracy part because we know what it is, but it is a cloud of deception. And it comes in so many of these forms. And I hate to say it, JB, but a lot of our people, even in our churches, have bought into this. They really have. It's it was sad to see how many churches rolled over and uh, bowed down and worshipped at the altar of government back when they uh, rolled out the lockdowns and uh, the mandates and so forth. But uh, yeah, I think it might even be eighty thousand military servicemen and women who uh, either were quit or forced out or took early retirement. I, th- I think I heard that number yesterday, but. Um, yeah, there's no question, as I outline in the biggest chapter of Volume 1, which is Chapter 9, the Vaccines and Big Pharma, uh, that this uh, pandemic was pre-planned. I mean, that's now a fact not in dispute if you if you look at the facts. I've got 16 smoking gun evidences of that in the book. Uh, and they rolled it out right on cue, having planned it for 22 years. 
Uh, and it was not about a virus, and it, and it was about the vaccine. It was about rolling out a population control mechanism and seeing how easily uh, people would be deceived. But, you know, the Bible clearly says in, in 2 Timothy 3.13 that deception is going to get worse and worse, uh, and it will, of course, reach its pinnacle during the tribulation period. That's why Jesus repeatedly warns that future tribulation generation uh, to be not deceived. Uh, I think four or five times in the Olivet Discourse he says that. But uh, even now in the lead-up to it, we're, we're seeing deception reach unprecedented heights. Uh, and you're right, we, even if you're unaware of the conspiracy, um, you, you, you certainly uh, should be able to see the great last day's deception uh, that is taking a, a, you know, a vice grip on, on everybody, but even in the church. All right, well, folks, we're talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, the gathering cloud of deception with J.B. Hickson. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today, J.B. Hickson. Uh, what we're talking about is the spirit of the Antichrist, the gathering cloud of deception. There's a volume one, volume two. We're going to be stepping into volume two here in just a moment. But, J.B., tell people how they can find out more. You've got a lot of other books out there, you know, the the great, the last days of deception, you know, what lies ahead. Just all these. You've got streaming video that people can, can connect with. So you've got a lot of stuff out there. And tell people about that and how they can find out more about these books and other stuff you've done. Yeah, you bet. You can uh, just go to notbyworks.org. Our ministry is Not By Works Ministries, based on Titus 3.5, Not By Works of Righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. So our core value is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. And, of course, it's that last component, urgency, that really coalesces with our passion for the end times and Bible prophecy. But, uh, yeah, at notbyworks.org, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can uh, check out our online store. Uh, these two books were my 10th and 11th books. Uh, we've been around 25 years. And, uh, you know, God's been opening some doors uh, really since the pandemic. The last three years, we've just uh, made a decision early on to kind of take a stand. I mean, we weren't being belligerent. We weren't trying to poke the bear, but we just, you know, calmly and confidently stood firm on the Word of God and spoke out, and I believe that God's honored that, and, and he's, he's opened quite a few doors. But yeah, they can go to notbyworks.org. Okay, now, J.B., we talked about Volume 1. Now we're going to go to Volume 2. Uh, question I have, if you had one, why write another one? There's so much information, and like we are seeing so many changes going on in the world that, you know, it's almost like you need to write a Volume 3 and a Volume 4 because of all the things that are happening. But is that what is happening here? Is There's just so much happening out there because when you start off in, um, you know, Volume 2, you're also talking about, again, right back of one of those places, Chapter 2, the World Economic Forum and the, I guess— the importance of what that means to what's going on about this gathering cloud of deception. Yeah, so it's actually a pretty simple uh, and and maybe even a little bit funny way it, way it came about. But it started. This started uh, way back in twenty twenty. I was supposed to speak at a Mid America Prophecy Conference in Tulsa. I've spoken there for many years, and of course, like so many conferences, it got shut down because of the pandemic. And the topic for that one 
I was going to speak twice, but one of my two topics was called Spirit of the Antichrist. And so I had done some preliminary research and sketched out these seven spirits of the Antichrist and was going to just distill it down to a one-hour presentation. Well, when the, when the world shut down over that period of time, and I didn't get to speak there that year, uh, I decided to kind of make that a video series at my home church, Plum Creek Chapel in the Denver metro area. And so I spent uh, 18 weeks talking about the Spirit of the Antichrist. And after I did that, we made that into a streaming video option. We also still have some DVDs left of that. Uh, But then I got to thinking, uh, as things continue to unfold, like you said, rapidly, and just seems like every day things are changing, I need to put this in a book. So I actually set out, Mark, just to write one book covering the seven spirits of the Antichrist. But uh, very quickly into that process, I realized uh, it was not going. It was going to be too big for one book, so uh, we stretched it into two. Uh, volume one uh, covers kind of the foundational biblical principles of the, the of the Luciferian conspiracy. It outlines it, diagrams, and then gets into the spirit of pretense. And then volume two, which is a little bit bigger, uh, actually it covers a lot of the more current things like fake elections, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, transhumanism, uh, secret societies those types of topics. And so uh, I don't necessarily have any plans for a volume three, but I am already uh, working on my next book, which will come out next year. And it's going to be uh, on a topic related to some of these things that are happening in the world around us. So same basic theme, but I don't know yet whether it's going to, I'm going to keep the same title. We may, we're, we're still praying about that. Yeah, well, there's plenty of information out there together if a person wants to gather, yeah. you know, no doubt about it. Now, one thing you mentioned, you mentioned this in Chapter 5 of uh, Volume 2, is the secret societies. When you think about that and you think about what's happened in the world, there's been these things, to me, these secret societies have been here for quite a while, just kind of waiting their turn and laying everything as much groundwork as they can. You know, to me, it's like, let's work in, take care of our education system, keep digger into the politics and the controlling of there, uh, get into more of these areas of the big tech and stuff that are have a more greater control on the people. Uh, is this the kind of thing you're talking about or something else in Chapter 5? Well, it's, it's a kind of a both and. Um, sometimes uh, Satan's power is exercised, you know, explicitly through uh, just open you know, immorality and some of the things that some of the globalist leaders are doing. But often it emanates from dark, smoke-filled rooms, uh, and that's where the conspiracies are conceived. That's where kings are crowned, presidents are chosen, uh, agendas are, are, are set forth. Um, and so he, Satan you know, hates the light. There's a common theme in Scripture, the contrast between the light and the dark, uh, and that's why Satan hates Christ, is because he is the light of the world, and he's going to ultimately expose all of the fraud and the deception that Satan has been perpetrating since he got kicked out of heaven. But uh, in any war, like in a physical war, the enemy has to hide his position, his communications, his movements, his supplies, his weapons, his plans, everything. Uh, And we have to remember, we are in a war. It's a spiritual war that's raging. And, uh, you know, what we don't know really can't hurt us. And that's why Paul gives us that uh, exhortation in Ephesians 6 uh, to recognize you know the spiritual, uh, the spiritual battle. Battle. So, uh, in secret societies, in that chapter, we talk a lot about uh, Freemasonry, Skull and Bones, uh, Knights of the Round Table, Illuminati, uh, Knights Templar, uh, all, all different ones. Uh, 
they're not connected. They're not all kind of working together. They're just out there as tools in Satan's arsenal to help advance certain agendas geopolitically. Now, and you do talk about this in Chapter 6 as well, which I think is good for people. I mean, you give a little history into what these things are about. You know, you don't just mention them and say, well, where did this come from? I mean, you do talk a little bit about where they came from and who they are. And I like it that you do expose some of this of who they are and who some of the players are and who some of the past leaders and different ones are part of these things. I'm, for example, the Bilderberger Group. A lot of people have heard about that but don't know a lot about it. You mentioned a lot of these different ones uh, in your book to try to inform people of who in the, who these people are. Yeah, the, uh, the Bilderberger Group is becoming more of a common uh, commonly known group, but it was very secretive for many, many years. It's basically a, a massive uh, power uh, gathering of power brokers that come together annually. And uh, it was widely known that in 2008, it was at the Bilderberg meeting, which happened to be held in Chantilly, Virginia that year, that it was decided that Obama would would be the nom- nominee and Hillary would be the Secretary of State. Uh, they kind of struck a deal. Uh, and in exchange, she would get to be president the next time. Of course, that didn't work because of the Trump factor. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, these groups, uh, Council on Foreign Relations is a huge one. I, I, I guess what I'm really trying to get people to understand is that you know, Satan has human co-conspirators that are working hand in puppet with him to make things happen. And very few things are really as they appear. Uh, and these groups... Like uh, Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderberg Group, Bohemian Grove, we have a whole section on that, uh, are a mechanism, uh, basically a control mechanism to accomplish uh, his agenda. It's not perfect. Obviously, he's not omnipotent, so there are sometimes competing agendas, and people uh, within the dark side will sometimes betray one another and seek out their own personal agendas. But by and large, he's moving you know, towards this one-world uh, system. Now, you sure touch a real um, nerve with some people on Chapter 7 <laughs> of your book, uh, because there's been lots of talk about it, uh, fake elections. How would this, though, play into what you're talking about in the spirit of the Antichrist? Why have them? Let's first of all talk about the role America plays in this. The America is the one country still standing in the way of the Luciferians rolling out their New World Order. Because of our love of freedom, our biblical history and Christian history, the faith of God's people, we have been a real sticking point in, in their agenda. Uh, they started this country thinking it was going to be a beachhead for the New World Order. That's why they called it the New World. Uh, but they vastly underestimated the power of God and the power of His people and the power of His Word. And so they really, early on in the founding of this country, lost uh, control, and it wasn't until the turn of the 20th century that they finally decided to kind of get grab from their perspective, grab this bull by the horns, and and really take it over. So that's when you had the the Rockefellers and Carnegies and other foundations take over medicine and education and politics. Uh, and so we don't really have elections; we have selections, and I document this very plainly in that chapter. Uh, but you're right, Mark. A lot of people really pushed back on that because we want to believe that our vote really counts and that we can make a difference. But all you have to do is look at the evidence, and there's plenty of it. And, and many people have woken up to this reality because of the 2020 uh, election debacle. Uh, but the, the reality is, ever since we went to uh, digital vote tabulation uh, mechanisms, 
it is it was game over. They can literally change the outcome of election by just uh, you know using some computer whiz kid to log in and hack into a server and change a few votes in a few districts of a few key states and they get the outcome they want. So I, I document that in there and I, and I recognize that not everyone will agree with me on that and I, I understand that. I, I encourage everybody to do their own research, come to their own conclusion, don't just believe it because I say it. But when you really study it, you begin to realize that the whole uh, election process in America is really rigged. Yeah, and I like, too, that you brought up the point in here on Chapter 9. You know, it's just kind of interesting that they, you know, UFOs and all that kind of stuff's been thrown out here of all these things that are going on in the world. Now, my personal opinion, you know, is UFOs are just part of the demonic plan. It's just a demonic, you know. Yeah, yeah. there might be people want to talk about Bigfoot. We'll talk about him, but I still believe it's a demonic type of a deal. I don't, you know, I don't believe any of those things because I don't find any biblical backing of that. Except that anytime it talks about those things, it talks about them in the negative and the dark side of it. So, but this is what exactly is playing into effect to say, oh, well, here's why the Christians are gone. These people from somewhere else got them. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to use that as an excuse to explain the chaos after the rapture when millions of believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But I'm with you, as I explained very clearly in chapters 9 and 10 about the spirit of phenomena, paranormal activity, UFOs. It's all demonic. It's dimensional. And I know that you know a lot of ufologists and others would disagree with me on that because they really have kind of convinced themselves that we're dealing with aliens from another planet, but uh, that doesn't comport with the Word of God, and I think what does comport uh, is uh, demonic activity. And that's why, you know, I outlined that it, we saw the, the dawn of the modern UFO era, which was 1947, with uh, Roswell and the Kenneth Arnold sightings. Uh, that, I think, corresponded to World War II. You had the Foo Fighters and the uh, ghost rockets that many of the pilots from the Allied and Axis side were, were seeing, uh, by the thousands, by the way, uh, unexplainable. Uh, they thought it was some uh, far-fetched technology of the Germans. They didn't know what it could be, but it was demonic activity uh, that Satan was sending out his demons to check things out and see what was happening. Uh, World War II, uh, he thought, could be the beginning of the one world system as they started the United Nations, and he really thought that was going to be a potential uh, victory. And so I think ever since then, we've seen this upsurge. Uh, and I've got sources that I've uh, talked to that, uh, you know, kind of told me from the perspective of the military and military intelligence, they really believe there is, a, you know, some type of real threat, uh, otherworldly. Many of them believe it's, it's alien-related. They're wrong, but that's what they think, because they don't have a biblical worldview. Uh, but that clearly there's something going on out there that is beyond uh, our control. Well, folks, a lot of good information here today. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. At just the right time. It just fits into what is happening in your life that day. Just when you need it most. Thanks for making us a part of your day. 91.7 The Word. This is Crosspoint. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today is J.B. Hickson. Now, J.B. is a pastor. He's a writer. I think you did about at least 10 books or more or contributed to a lot of those. Uh, and as well, you have a ministry, Not By Works. So tell people how they can find out more about these books, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and 2, and all the other stuff you do as well, and maybe listening to some of your uh, teachings. 
Yeah, you bet. The best way to kind of find out about these two latest books is just go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. We've set up a landing page there, and we kind of uh, walk you through the table of contents of each book so you can see exactly everything we cover and the subsections. And then we also have printed in full the preface for each book to kind of give you a sense of where we're going, and you can order it right there on the website. Um, but uh, I encourage people also to sign up for our podcast uh, Wherever you listen to your podcasts, just search for Not By Works Ministries, and uh, you can subscribe. We do five or six a week. Uh, we do three videos a week. Uh, those are available for free. All of that's free at notbyworks.org. Uh, we do some devotionals each week. You can sign up for our newsletter and uh, read those. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, our passion, again, is to get the gospel out, and I, I guess I might mention that even though these books are appealing to a lot of believers who are waking up to the reality that, uh, of what's going on in the world, uh, they're also being read by a lot of unbelievers, and the gospel is clearly presented throughout the book and also in an epilogue at the back of each book. And, you know, the election, the pandemic, a lot of world events lately have caused uh, people to really question what in the world's going on, and they're looking for answers. And, you know, the reason that we do everything we do at uh, NBW Ministries is to uh, get out that clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. You touch on a lot of subjects. We were talking about the paranormal activity, and you continue kind of that on there and talk about it in Chapter 10. Uh, Then you bring in, which I think we've had some of it, but it's really grown, is the narcissism epidemic uh, that we're seeing out here. I mean, you know, some people used to be a little bit afraid of God, even though they didn't really follow God. But anymore, we've got people out there, they have no regard for God whatsoever. And we've even had people say it from the floor of our, you know, House of Representatives, you know, that we, as far as God is concerned, he has no place here. Yeah, they they really do. And that's part of the transhumanist agenda. It goes kind of hand in glove with this narcissism epidemic. Satan really, as he told Adam and Eve, wants to make God. He, he said, you can be God, you know, uh, and, and they believe they are gods. In fact, Elon Musk, one of the famous transhumanists, was asked, do you believe in God? And he said, well, not yet, because I haven't invented him. I haven't created him yet. We're working on it. In other words, we're doing our best to create uh, this, uh, you know, perfect being that will never die. Uh, and so that's that's really the the driving force behind all of this. They, they want to merge bio and digital together and create a new species uh, that will never die. And essentially they want to, you know, be the creator. God God created everything ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. He spoke the world into existence. That's something Satan will never be able to do. Uh, But it doesn't stop him from trying. And so the when you think you're God, of course you're going to be uh, prideful, and narcissistic and egotistical and, and, and all of those things. And so that's another spirit. The Antichrist is going to set himself up as God and make himself, uh, you know, demand everybody worship him, take the throne in the temple at the midpoint of the tribulation. And uh, at that point, he will have reached what he thinks is his, uh, you know, his nirvana, you know, his final uh, place. He's accomplished what he wanted, but it'll be short-lived because Christ will come back with power and great glory, and uh, we'll see the Battle of Armageddon where Christ will um, banish uh, the Antichrist uh, to the lake of fire. And one thing that is touching us more and more every day, especially as Christians in the society, is uh, what you talk about in Chapter 12, the rise of anti-Christian 
Semitism, you know. Uh, Christians are some. If you're really, truly a follower of Christ, you should be feeling some pressure right now in our society here in America, shouldn't we? You should. And, you know, the uh, thing that we sometimes forget is that we've been really blessed in this country, and, you know, the body of Christ for 2,000 years of church history has faced really unspeakable persecution and martyrdom, and we've been shielded largely from a lot of that, but it's it's uh, coming around. In fact, uh, that chapter, I call it the rise of anti-Christian sem- sentiment, and I give all kinds of statistics and examples of, of what's what's happening, and uh, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, Mark, I really believe that we're going to be facing, in fact, some Christians already are, facing imprisonment for what you say, for the beliefs that you hold, uh, and you're going to be facing uh, severe persecution. So, uh, you know, the rapture doesn't promise us that we will be rescued before things, quote, get bad. It promises us that we'll be rescued before the great day of the Lord's wrath, the tribulation period. But uh, if the Lord tarries is coming, we could face the kinds of persecution that many believers have, and, and there are more martyrs for the Christian faith today worldwide than there have been at any other time in Church history. So it's coming, uh, and, it's, yeah. and in many sectors of our culture, it's already here. Chapter 13, you talk about all the perversion, this gender surrender movement. As you look and you talk about it here in the book, you know, they keep wanting to change words. They want to keep changing the meaning of truth, of course. I mean, you know, they talked about global warming all the time. Well, that really wasn't getting them the mileage they needed. So now we've used climate change. And, you know, the flu, well, you know, we've always had the flu. We've always had bad outbreaks of the flu. But now they think you need to make it into the word pandemic. And, and give it, and we're seeing all of this and just what you're talking about here in 13, the perversion, the gender, you know, a man's could be a woman and just nonsense like this, but people are buying into it. Yeah, they are. It's called deconstruction of language. Um, they, they make words mean whatever they need to make, mean to bring them power. Uh, words no longer have inherent contextual meaning. They'll just literally make stuff up. And like with global warming, you know, as you said, they had to change that because the you know the jig was up. People were beginning to recognize. Wait a minute, it's not getting warmer. <laughs> I mean, the, the stats just didn't support their premise, and so they said, "Oh, well, we're going to call it cl- climate change." And sadly, most people are naive and ignorant enough to just to buy into it hook, line, and sinker. But uh, yeah, with the pandemic, you know, if you look at the stats, uh, you know, even though it was a real virus and and it was a weaponized virus, by the way. Uh, it uh, it was not anything statistically uh, that that justified shutting down the world and shutting down churches on Easter Sunday for the first time since Emperor Constantine. So, uh, yeah, they definitely love to twist words and uh, deconstruct language and you know, use politically correct language, make certain things that are absolute truths off limits, uh, and uh, that's kind of what we're seeing with this cancel culture. Now, you do mention something in the back of the volume two, and I really like your epilogue there, The Greatest Reset. And and this always makes me think, you know, that, you know, we've talked about Klaus Schwab and the others, you know, with the World Economic Forum, and they want the Great Reset by 2030 and other things in between. But The Greatest Reset, like what you're talking about here, is when God steps in and says, enough's enough, and we're gone, the Christians are out of here that's going to throw the whole world into a reset. Yeah, absolutely. When Christ comes back, he's going to make all things new. And the Bible tells a, a grand meta-narrative that goes full circle from the pre-fall Edenic state back to 
a perfect creation. When this old earth under the curse of sin is destroyed, and Christ comes back and rules in perfect peace and righteousness and just judgment. And, you know, the, the book of Revelation, which, of course, is all about the return of Christ, uh, also tells a story. It starts in Genesis in Revelation 6 with the unveiling of the Antichrist, that, that first rider on the white horse, uh, and he's coming out to conquer and, and, and so forth. But by the end, you get to chapter 19, and there's another rider on a white horse, and that's Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's called Faithful and True. In other words, he's not an imposter, he's the real deal. And so the greatest reset is something that all believers uh, have to look forward to, the blessed hope uh, of the return of, of the Lord, first at the rapture and then after the tribulation, coming back all the way to the earth to, to set up his kingdom. Uh, so the Great Reset, we, we give that a lot of attention in, in these books and have a lot of data in there. We talk about people like, you know, Yuval Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab and other Satanists, but we need not fear because the greatest reset is coming. Also, you know, when you finish with Volume 1 book, you talk about YouTube banning you from, you know, sharing this information. And then when yeah. we get towards the end of... Uh, you know, here at the, well, on the back page of the volume two, you say, this is not for the faint hearted. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this is pretty serious stuff that you put in here. This, well, you said it took, what was it, 15 years you've been involved in putting this together? Yeah, I tell the story at the beginning of uh, in the introduction to volume one about how I kind of woke up to the reality of the Luciferian conspiracy. It's a fascinating story. Uh, but yeah, then I went, took, you know, took a deep dive and really, you know, we've traveled crisscross the country going to key sites and interviewing key people. We've got some powerful interviews in the book, uh, including one guy that was uh, oppressed by demonic entities and literally, uh, you know, can vouch for the presence of the Luciferian conspiracy from the human side. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. And, and sadly, many believers, when you begin to talk about this, and I've been talking about it at conferences for years and, you know, inevitably people will come up and they, they just have this deer in the headlights look like, well, you know, well, I, don't, I don't want to look behind the curtain. I don't want to know this. And I, I want to keep my head in the sand. But, you know, I give uh, at the end of both books, I, give, I have a section called Why Does All This Matter? And I give over 20 reasons biblically why we need to study this and why it matters from a practical and spiritual perspective. So Proverbs 22.3 tells us, uh, the one who sees trouble coming and prepares for it is wise, but the one who doesn't uh, suffers uh, calamity and trouble. So things are coming, and we need to, to, to wake up to the reality. And I want to mention, too, uh, something from the epilogue back of the volume one. Uh, you say there, on page 241, things are not always as they appear. We live in a frightening world of deception, hidden agendas. It is a world of spiritual realities, cosmic battles, unseen enemies, demonic principalities. When we wake up to the world as it really is, it can be terrifying. Yet wake up, we must, if we are to navigate a world where the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and active. Thankfully, we have a Savior who promised never to leave us or forsake us. And I, I appreciate you doing that in these books, uh, bringing in, I mean, it's kind of, you read through them stuff, and like you say, it's not for the faint-hearted, but at least you give us the hope that gets it past all of this, and uh, thank you for putting that in the books as well. You bet. Yeah, First John 4, 3, of course, is the premise for the whole series that tells us the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work, but the very next verse, verse 4, reminds us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So 
uh, we definitely uh, know who wins in the end. There's new stuff coming all the time, like you said, and you're working on all kinds of uh, new projects and everything that's that's out there. But as you, from the time you started this and spent the years putting this together, did you think things would so rapidly move forward that, you know, of course, I guess they did enough to make you want to write a volume two to it uh, to kind of get caught up there. But do you just see this now becoming faster and faster and faster, like we are headed somewhere to maybe crash? I do. Uh, I can't predict dates or set dates. But just looking at the signs of the times, as Jesus told us to do in in Matthew 16, you know, he rebuked the first century Jewish leaders for failing to see the signs of the times. And we don't want to make that same mistake as the church. But uh, I I really think if the Lord tarries his coming, Mark, uh, we're talking uh, months or years, not decades. That's my personal opinion. I could be wrong on that, obviously. I'm not a prophet. But uh, I just think that Satan has conquered so many of the frontiers that he needs to usher in the New World Order that it doesn't seem like it can go on much longer before the Lord says enough is enough. So uh, I think people need to be ready. They need to, if you don't know the Lord, first of all, you need to trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone as the only one who can save you because He died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin. Uh, But if you know the Lord, we need to just fall in love with His Word all over again Uh, study the whole counsel of God, understand God's plan of the ages, and be ready. We have been talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and Volume 2 with J.B. Hickson. J.B., you've got a lot of other stuff out there, other books too, these streaming video sets you have. You've got these uh, theological charts, diagrams, illustrations people can tap into. You, You have a lot of information for people. So how do they get to you to get this? Yeah, our main website is notbyworks.org notbyworks.org, and uh, you can just kind of scroll through there. We have a lot of uh, free resources under our video tab, our podcast tab, our devotionals tab, and then we have an online store where you can purchase books and streaming video and uh, other CDs. And we do live stream, uh, by the way, uh, usually three times a week from Plum Creek Chapel. Uh, I travel a lot. I've gone quite a bit on the road for conferences. When I'm not in my home church, we're not live streaming, but you can check out the live stream page and it gives you the schedule. Uh, But even if you don't catch the live stream, we video everything and post it up at our website for free. So notbyworks.org and spiritoftheantichrist.org. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Crosspoint today. You bet. My pleasure. What an honor to be with you and and just appreciate all the, the work that you're doing. Well, folks, what a good interview today with J.B. Hickson on the spirit of the Antichrist. It's real. It's happening. And, folks, the books, all that information comes from the other book I have in my other hand here, the Holy Bible. You need to know God's Word, folks. Just like J.B., he's researched this with God's Word. He knows what God's Word says, and he matches it up to what's going on in our world. This Bible is alive. It never grows old, never outdated. It contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. Be sure and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNEO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. 
You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.